Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. Many months after a study found we're short on bathrooms downtown, city officials think they've finally found a solution. And they also want us, city residents, to take care of their deer problem. Plus, there's a viral video floating around that asks a question locals should be very, very familiar with. It's September 1st, the Friday News Roundup. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm with CityCast newsletter editor Francesca DeBecco. Good morning. Hey, good morning. And lead producer Mallory Falk. How's it going? Going pretty well. <laughs> Mallory and I are both tucked into our closets. It is so early in the morning as we're recording this. <laughs> uh, Mallory, you want to just jump us straight into potty talk? <laughs> <laughs> always. Always here for the potty talk. Um, I do want to start by asking if either of you have ever had a bathroom emergency in downtown Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, I've definitely had some close calls. I've <laughs> always been lucky enough to have some accessibility, having uh, went to school downtown and worked downtown. I had offices oh, and things, yeah. but, you know, you it's, always had the hookup. It, yeah, but there, you know, you definitely still have some close calls. <laughs> I have not had an emergency. I think just because of my privilege, I usually had a couple of bucks that I could go buy a coffee or a sandwich or a bottle of water and borrow a bathroom. But I can see how lots and lots of people don't have that option. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the bathroom situation downtown has definitely been an issue for a little while now. Yeah. We did an episode last year about the public restroom situation in downtown Pittsburgh. Um, some Students at Point Park had done a study about the lack of public restrooms. They found that about a quarter of people spending time downtown can't find a place to use the restroom. A lot of them end up going home, leaving. So that's, you know, business that downtown is losing out on. And then also, of course, it's like not humane for the unhoused folks who are living there to have nowhere that they can use the bathroom or wash up. Right. I was trying to think like if I've had an experience in another city where they had like a good bathroom situation downtown. Have you guys had any like good examples of this? Definitely internationally. Like every time I've traveled to uh, Western Europe, usually there's a bathroom option. Sometimes it's paid, sometimes it's not. Um, China actually has an amazing public bathroom situation, at least the very small parts that I've been to. Um, but like I went on a trip to Savannah, Georgia last year, and they had a pretty decent setup. Like some of them were paid, but all of them had like nice facilities and somewhere to go, which is not for nothing for a city on the river in the middle of like, you know, the South where it's hot as heck. 
I haven't been to Portland, but it sounds like they might have actually found a decent solution for having more public restrooms. Um, Hmm. Back when we did the downtown Pittsburgh potty episode, we talked to Adam Smeltz, who'd done an article on this for Pittsburgh Magazine. And he mentioned this thing called the Portland Loo. It originated in Portland, but it's now in other cities as well. And it's these sort of standalone units Portland's got at least 20 at this point. Um, I saw that they installed some in San Antonio, Texas, and found that having this in place saved the city close to $250,000 in street cleaning expenses. Wow. Yeah. And so that seems like, you know, some of these cities that maybe didn't have an incredible public restroom infrastructure to start with have found that this works pretty well. Yeah. So Mallory, tell us about what the city of Pittsburgh is thinking about doing, what they're in the process of doing. Yeah. So I bring all of this up because uh, the city just announced a six-month pilot to install three kind of temporary trailer-like public restrooms downtown um, and then eventually, ideally, create more permanent facilities for folks. So they haven't said yet where those will go. The idea is to put them in some highly trafficked areas. That Point Park study had said places like Market Square, the Cultural District, some of the transit hubs might be good places to install public restrooms. Um, And these are going to be open daily from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. And they'll actually be staffed. There will be attendance there during that time. I can see a huge utility for something like this. I mean, just like if you're a trail user, for example, like it's really difficult to find a bathroom to use. Actually, they have a ton of them on the North Shore Trail, but often they're locked, which is totally unhelpful. Yeah. And then it's almost like even worse if you see it ahead of you and you're like, oh, there's a porta potty I can I use. I have felt that. that help. You're racing to it with a very full <laughs> bladder. <laughs> yeah. And then you get there and you see the lock and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, we're laughing, but this is a really (laughs) real problem. And everyone knows this feeling like everyone can relate. So, you know, I just I think this is something to definitely help downtown um, kind of even improve its reputation locally with with the Pittsburgh public. And it's sent. And it's and it's yeah, very critical. Yeah. You mentioned the reputation, Francesca. I'm kind of curious. You know, we all work together downtown in this co-working space. Um, It's this great spot called the Pittsburgh Media Hub. It's for small local reporting outlets through Point Park University. Um, So, you know, we're down there quite often. And it's been weird watching how people or some people at least talk about downtown um, as this kind of like hellscape, dystopian hellscape. (laughs) Yeah. Does that line up with your experiences there? No, certainly not. I mean, I, yeah, I've heard people, they're like, I don't know if I feel safe to go downtown anymore. And I'm like, what? I mean, it, it I, really... mean I would ask, did you ever? Like, yeah. are you are you a downtown person? Yeah. Because if you don't feel safe right now, I don't know what's changed. <laughs> right. Exactly. I feel like it hasn't changed all that much since I was, you know, working and going to school down there, just being like hopping around the city and going to classes and, go, you know, going to the restaurants and things. And I just don't see much of a difference other than maybe maybe it was odd for people to see less people downtown. Maybe that was even like a thing. Like, like after a pandemic, the pandemic thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it looked eerie to not have, 
you know, more activity, the hustle and bustle. Yeah. Yeah. But to me, I mean, I've lived places where pre pandemic downtown kind of felt like a ghost town and you were sort of the only one there. So to me, Right now, downtown feels pretty vibrant. I think the only thing I will give comments like that, it depends on your how you use downtown, right? Like, yeah. if you only come in, like, once or twice a year for a show or a big event, then downtown might feel different. Like, you know, I feel like the city had this enormous PR push when um, Market Square was, like, overhauled and they uh, did all the rehabilitation for Point State Park. And so yeah. when they turned the fountain back on and they had all these nice new bright red umbrellas in Market Square, like people were told, come back. It's yeah. great now. We we want you to experience downtown. And it is a little dingy by comparison to when all that mm-hmm. stuff was brand new in 2013. But I don't think it's bad. I think it's just we've we've used our good stuff and that's OK. That's not a bad thing. However, I think there's still this perception that crime is up in downtown and the city keeps Mm -hmm. saying it's not. And the Pittsburgh Police Department keeps saying it's not. But if people feel unsafe, I don't know if the actual like truth of it matters. Like perception is really important. Right. But is this also people, you know, see unhoused folks and that inherently makes them feel unsafe? Like if crime actually isn't up, then what are they perceiving what's happening to to give them that feeling? Yeah, I don't want to give anyone a pass here. Like, I think that's just like suburban people who aren't used to seeing what a city looks like acting like unhoused people are something to be afraid of when, in fact, it's the systemic problems around them that we should all have more fear about. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. Pittsburgh has a deer problem. I'm sure you're all aware of this. You'll probably see them out there. Bambi is everywhere, but they're very cute, unfortunately. I know. They're so cute. Uh, According to the USDA, there are around 51 deer per square mile in city parks, and there should be closer to 10. So we are far above what the healthy amount should be. And unfortunately, this overpopulation of deer can lead to the spread of Lyme's disease, you know, through the ticks that they carry. Um, It limits the forest's ability to regenerate because they feed a lot of 
on native species and sort of like brush up against a lot of trees and things. And um, it can also cause more car crashes. If you see a deer sign, you best take it seriously. They, if, if the traffic is felt it's a problem enough to put up a sign, it usually is. Exactly. Yes. Uh, have you guys had any weird deer interactions lately? Not weird. I think just the standard amount of like seeing city deer just frolic across like intersections and not small amounts of them either, like two and five and yeah. 20. A whole family. In a field. Yeah. Or four. I definitely have noticed them on my bike. When I bike through Stanton Heights, I pass through Stanton Heights to get to work. And there will be some deer just like chilling on someone's front lawn. And I feel like we like give each other a little friendly nod good morning and continue on our ways yeah a friend of mine on the north side has been documenting the deer the turkey at her neighborhood in um, observatory hill and it's just like constant there's bands of them just floating through the neighborhood well riverview park is our particularly tough area um there's a big deer population there i'm on the north side as well um so i have a good bit of the wooded area around me um and my partner said the other day he saw this ginormous deer literally leap over top of his car in our driveway like from the no. end to the beginning and i and I, I i was like i don't know what i would have done if i saw that at least you weren't <laughs> driving at least it was parked but i feel um, like y'all need a ring cam just to capture moments <laughs> like that <laughs> i know i know so anyhow this deer problem, the city is trying to control it. Officials are proposing a controlled bow hunting pilot program in Frick and Riverview Parks um, ahead of the fall hunting season. It's set up to be about 30 people and participants need to have a license and pass additional qualifications. So like skill tests and things. Um, and they said that the parks would close for like a designated hunting day. I'm glad for that, at least. I was kind of curious how this could roll out. I am skeptical that 30 people is even enough to make a difference in either one of these spaces. Yeah, you know, the mayor's office couldn't really estimate how many deer will be eliminated in each park. And so I'm I think I don't know if they're very sure either. I don't know. To me, like, it's just striking that you have to be authorized for this, but not to own a gun like seems mm -hmm. like there are more protections and considerations for, you know, our deer population than for school kids. Yeah. You are not wrong. I I mean, people are feeling a lot of things about this. Like, obviously, it's not fun to think about us just going out and like hunting the deer in our park. Uh, Councilor Bruce Krause, um, he was one of the only members of council to uh, vote against the program. And he argued that the city should focus on developing like more humane approaches like sterilization. I don't I don't know how they would do that exactly. But um, they said that it was cruel to let like the species overpopulate to a point where the only solution is to go out and slaughter. I love the concept of trap neuter release for a deer. Like, can you imagine the 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 trapping portion of that? It would be it would be so hard. It's hard enough for us to do that for cat populations. <laughs> um, Francesca, did they say what happens to the carcasses? Because, like, usually with deer hunting, like you get you can only kill so many in a season, and then it's your responsibility to then take care of the dead deer. 
Yeah, it's not clear exactly who would be responsible for the animal carcasses, but they must be dressed off-site. That's so. ridiculous. I'd like to see Ed Gainey drag a deer out of the park. It is so <laughs> much easier to field dress. I, I know nothing about that, um, but I'm I really imagine going back to my country roots here. But like, seriously, how dare you? <laughs> no, yeah, it seems like it would be a lot. Like, and, and they don't really have a designated place, so it so it seems, um, and so it's kind of like. A free for all it feels like but I'm also imagining just like going for an afternoon walk and seeing people just like dragging bleeding yeah. deers out onto the curb I mean people do it like if you don't want to dress your own deer you can take it to a meat processor and they will do it for you I just think like I was I was brought up in the tradition that if you kill it you string it up right there and you take care of it like that's just part of the process lots of hunters don't do that and I respect that choice too well, I mean, speaking of the the meat aspect, they're also making a rule that the first doe uh, a hunter kills during the program uh, must be donated to the local food bank, which I didn't even know you could donate deer meat to our local bank. Yeah, I mean, can they actually accept donations like that? Like, I know at least buying and selling wild game here is illegal, right? Yeah, I got I got curious about this. It is technically legal to donate it. There's actually an entire organization that works nationwide with food banks. I cannot tell if the Greater Pittsburgh Area Food Bank is one of their partners. They don't list them. Um, but there's like a funny list of stipulations. Um, one of them is that you have to use one of their processors. There's a couple in Allegheny County. We'll link them in the show notes. Interesting. Yeah. So the deal here is council advanced two bills to establish this program. Uh, one basically makes an exception to the law that you can't hunt in city parks and the other uh, creates a contract between the city and the USDA. Um, they said this is expected to cost between $10,000 and $11,000. Council is going to bring a final vote next week. All right, Yens, we're going to get real ridiculous to end the day. I'm going to send you a picture <laughs> of a Nittany lion. Like Penn State? Yeah, please look at this animal. Okay. It's pretty. It's a regal cat. It's yeah. a mountain lion. Yeah. Yeah. It's got nice fur, beautiful eyes. Gorgeous. Nice little Simba mouth there. Oh, yeah. Real White soul. at the oh, mouth. it is very Simba. Yeah. Handsome. Okay. Now look at this creature. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm nervous. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) This is so janky. Is this real? This is the Penn State Nittany Lion that is on field at games. Do those two animals look remotely similar to you? Not even the slightest. It looks more like a bear. (laughs) Well, I'm not a Penn State fan. I grew up in SEC country and know that alone is sacrilegious. But I thought that this viral video that's going through Pittsburgh right now is hilarious. I've seen this guy before, this content creator, Josh Mancuso. He makes videos for lots of schools, so he's not just picking on Penn State. But he makes this sort of like back and forth where he's playing every character and they're having a conversation as if they're the ones behind some of these more inspired school choices. Here's a clip. All right, welcome back to Penn State. You guys were in charge of selecting our mascot and some other stuff, so uh, what'd you come up with? So we thought we should have the best, most fiercest king of all animals. Uh-huh. A lion. Yes, you have the Penn State lions. I love it. But not just any lion. Not just any lion? A nittany lion. 
A what? A nittany lion. Nittany lion? Yeah, nit nittany. Nit ninny. No, not ninny. Nittany. Nittany? Yeah, not so much on the T, nittany. Just, just nittany. Nittany lion. What is, what is that? You know that mountain? Mountain Nittany behind campus? You, we were hiking the other day back there. We saw a real life mountain lion. We did. We saw it. I saw it first. I did. Wait, so it's not like a big lion with a mane? Nope. It's more like a cougar panther puma large cat lion. Okay. Right, so, so what's the mascot going to look like? Well, we drew up a little costume last night. Here it is. It looks like a skinny bear on meth. It's not very nice. We could draw a new one. We, we'll start over. No, no, we don't have time. We just, I mean, is there anything we can do to make him look like he didn't just bump a kilo of Columbia's finest? Here, let me see. I mean, it looks like he just got up from an all-night bender. What is this? I put a scarf on him. Is he cold? It's distinguished. It right, looks like a flea market Build-A-Bear. <laughs> flea market Build-A-Bear. But I think he's right. No, he's not wrong. Like, why is the mouth positioned like this? Like, it looks <laughs> scary. And it does not do the service to this gorgeous creature. No, it's horrific. Uh, we'll have a link in our show notes to this guy's channel um, and some of his creations. They're on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, but they're they're all fun like this. I'm curious, what is the worst mascot that you know of? Like, does this guy even rank near the top? Oh, the New Orleans Pelican, hands down. Like the old one, not the current one. Um, the thing was like a red and yellow nightmare. The one where children were so scared when they unveiled it that they said he needed to undergo plastic surgery oh. and then reemerged with a completely new look. Oh, yes, my yes. It's, it's not bad now, but the first one, the first pass, horrific. I can't believe they actually put that thing into production. I'm thinking more like locally. I don't know. It's not that it's a bad looking, but I'm. What was the the dog in the trench coat? I'm thinking about <laughs> the. Oh, mission. that's not local. That's McGruff, the crime dog. Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, six zero six five two. Which <laughs> why is that still embedded in my brain? But that's how I know it's not local. I did not remember it was Chicago, but yeah, that was like the Reagan era, like be tough on crime. It's up to you yeah. to solve crimes too, kind of thing. He's still, I feel like you can still find him on these like faded out signs around town threatening to report crime. It definitely feels of a different era. Uh, but what are your guys' favorite mascot here in Pittsburgh? I like the Pennsylvania Resources Council. They have a very mischievous looking green bug. So cute. Yeah, it's the litter bug. I think I think the antenna really do it for me. I'm going to keep it classic here. I will say Steely McBeam. Ooh. Um, purely because like it seems impossible for a sports mascot made out of I don't what are they made out of like felt whatever. Yeah, um, I don't know. To to have a chiseled jaw and yet somehow he achieves that. Like great bone structure. Have you ever seen him with the helmet off though? Ooh. <laughs> the helmet comes off and it he's like balding and it feels very right for Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny story about this mascot. Um, when I was in elementary school, they were creating the mascot because the Steelers didn't have one. And they did a contest uh, for people to name it and design it. And my uh, name for the Steelers mascot was Allegheny Al. Um, and I thought that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Bodie McBoatface, one out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite, uh, did you guys know that Alkasan has a mascot? Only because of you. Otherwise, I would have no yeah, idea. I was not aware. <laughs> We're talking about Allegheny uh, Sanitation Authority. Um, it has a mascot, uh, Frankie the Fish. I think they're great. <laughs> I love that Francesca loves a Frankie. Yes, we love Frankie a Frankie. Frankie loves a Frankie. <laughs> 
That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our music is by Benji. Mallory Folk is our lead producer. Audio producer is Sophia Lowe. And Francesca DeBecco writes our newsletter. I'm your host, Megan Harris. We will be off on Monday for Labor Day, so we will see you on Tuesday with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend, everyone. We are going to need some street sweeping with all those lantern flies. It's rough. It's rough out there. Yeah, you're right.